Please do your own research. Nothing here is investment advice. So we've just published on Costco, and we're just discussing well the history of this business. Sol Price, who is somewhat of a legend, I can see in this piece some evidence that you've gone through um, his biography in some detail. Good book. Incredible book. The interesting thing about that book that you know, just on the side, briefly before we talk about actually the, the piece of research but I, one thing i found interesting was that well this is not news to many people but no no one really has any original ideas <laughs> you know so it's, it's actually if you if you go and look at it and and, and there's, there's two things there's that and there's also um i mean he he was soul price was obviously a um a pioneer in ways but i mean so that book for example that he, that his son wrote he he copied Fedco. So Fedco was the original model in the 50s, a warehouse model um, basically selling to, to government employees. He went out, I think it was in LA or somewhere that he went there to a store. Um, his mother-in-law had a, had, a, had a plot of land. He wanted to, he said, you should do something like that. Fedco didn't want them to do that. So then he opens Fedmont, basically copies the model, right? But then what's interesting as well is that, I mean, he, he had these, he had that great idea or he, he spotted this idea to replicate in a new market, but actually it didn't work out. He ended up selling Fedmont to um, German family and they effectively broke it up. But he actually, you know, it shows you the power of focus. He lost focus. So how much did he really understand the power of that model? Obviously, he understood it because he went down Price Club, right? But actually, if you if you the, the history and so he, he he went to Fedmont. He actually got kind of I think he got too. Or oh, seemed like Robert Price insinuated that he got very attracted to the re real estate side of the business, and then he started kind of um, you know I guess looking at that shiny side of the of the business and actually not focusing on on, on operating the, the the retail stores. Anyway, that ended up. He ended up having to sell that business. Sell, sold it to the German German family. They busted it up. You know, and then there was a bunch of litigation after that. Then he starts Price Club, but again he get, he, get, he lost focus, right? And 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 really, Jim Sinegal realized actually how powerful it was, and maybe he was just more. <laughs> Maybe you're just more more rigorous and more focused, and, and and that shows you a power of the execution. How much execution matters, man? Just like the focusing, and if you when you really truly understand and you have conviction on the power of the model, like you shouldn't you shouldn't be getting attracted by this other stuff, and you know, you know, whatever real estate and 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 and, and kind of he was doing a bunch of the stuff. Soul price was the anyway, and that that kind of how that that led to the to the to effectively. Senegal and Costco becoming well, Price Costco becoming more Costco than Price Club, you know, because yeah, either he wasn't as interested or just wasn't as focused as Jim in really understanding. Look, this model, the philosophy of this model, 
you know, alt, keep prices low, more max, max margin, pass it back to the customer. You earn your money from membership sales, simple warehouses, you know, own the land. Respect for Jim Senegal. It, it's in light of Saul Price's, the history of his career, the history of FedMart, the history of Price Club, that I think one, one can't come out of that without a much deeper respect for Jim Senegal and his unbelievable capacity for execution and, and execution at scale and, and the, the culture he created, which, which is still to this day seems to be pretty unwavering and it's focused on a few foundational principles, right? The code of ethics, the rights of merchandising. Um, and, and we've, so we've looked at, at that historically. We've, we've published some material on Costco's culture and have been pretty interested in the leadership, in the transition from, from Jim to Craig's leadership and, and whether, you know, the, the, the formula is as, as alive as it ever was. That's, that's a bit of another story. And today, on on the um, so we've just published on on Costco's international business and and specifically within that the the European growth opportunity. Um, why now? I've been looking at Costco for ages in in terms of their new store ads or, or, or net ads, and I think they had what twenty twenty five stores a year, and the majority are in US and Canada still and. You know, which is still, you know, they have 840 odd stores as of last year, nearly 600 in the US, 100 odd in Canada, and they're pretty much adding, call it, I don't know, 16 to 18 per year in those two regions. Yeah, and it, it just seems like the the long run opportunity for Costco over the next 30, 40 years is obviously internationally, and therefore exploring the markets they're in and the opportunity has always been of interest. They have around 150 odd stores internationally. A rough mix is 40 Mexico, 29 UK, and 13, 31 Japan, 30 odd in Taiwan and Korea. And the rest, you know, 13 in Australia and, and, and seven in Europe and two in China. And, and what was always interesting was that, you know, obviously we're, I'm, I live in London, so I'm based here and, and they haven't added us. They've added one store uh, since 2016 in the UK, 29 stores, and they've only got seven in in France, in 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 Europe, two in France, four in Spain, one in one in Iceland. You know, and the GDP per capita and population density and opportunity in Europe would suggest that they have a, a huge opportunity to add to add stores, and and also the UK, frankly. You know, if you look at Audi and Lidl, have a thousand stores each. Obviously, they're very different formats, much smaller square footage, focused on your, mainly on food. But but still, like the UK is a is a perfect demographic and, and GDP per capita kind of market for them. Anyway, but they haven't added a store. And I've always wondered why. And then we we our team sourced a great executive, and the the, the, the right the right person just came up and. He um, has got 30, 40 years experience in this game. Back to FedMart days, as, as we were discussing. So worked with Sol, worked with, worked with Jim, worked with Craig. And, and yeah, so we so I spent a bunch of time 
interviewing executives who effectively ran UK and Europe. And, you know, this is a great example of the type of work we were looking to do on enterprise that is very different to, or at least very different to what we think is out there in the industry where, you know, we're not experts on any one company. You know, I'm certainly not an expert on on Costco. Um, I might be a member, but I'm, I'm certainly not an expert. And, but, but what we can do is we can really source the best people, the best the best executives globally, and we can curate the the knowledge to draw out insight on how these businesses really work. And and we're obsessed about you know, we're we're obsessed about mastering the art of primary research to really uncover these insights, and and to ultimately really invest in these businesses. And and so that's you know we we spent a bunch of time with with, with executives. To really answer those questions, you know, why is the UK not growing? What is the opportunity in the UK? What is the history of the business in the UK? You know, why is there only seven stores in Europe? It's a huge market. What is the opportunity there? And how should we how should we frame Costco Costco's European opportunity relative to to US and Canada? And, and so that, that that was the that was the backdrop and 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 kind of the really the impetus of 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 this piece. Well, and. And there's a degree of serendipity here as you've been interested, we've been interested in these questions for some time. And, and when we look at our enterprise coverage, this, this deeper research that, that we're doing, that we built a system to undertake, this expert actually came out of a project that we that we started just to find the brief, the brief was literally let's find people that have been at Costco. Let's find everyone we can. That's been at this business for over 30 years. That's a lot of them. And there's, there's a few of them. Right. And, and so, and, and what happened was, so you've been interested in, 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 you've been asking these questions for a while and, and there was an alignment, a clear opportunity as this executive came up. I remember pre-qualifying him, and onboarding him in in February this year, and just realizing, you know, in, in one of these executives in particular, that we have someone that was central to the European story, and so I got pretty excited. Um, pass the baton on to you to to dive in properly, and um, and I I think I, I I highlight that because in conducting this work and doing proper field work. You can have you have your working hypotheses, you have your questions, and then there's an there's an element of patience in waiting for the right person whose circle of expertise is central to the questions that we're exploring or that you want to explore, and 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 so because it's too easy to try to fit an executive into a structure that that allows you to feel like you're getting some results on your questions. When, when actually, really, the executive is maybe the third, fourth most relevant person to speak to. And so, so in short, we found a couple of guys, one of which was the guy, right, to, to dive into this with. But it's also, I think, part of the trick, if you can call it a trick, is finding companies you can study for a long time. You know, and we, we, we've, we're always sourcing on Costco. We're always sourcing on these great companies. So... I mean, it, 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 once you are sourced on these businesses for, for years, you, you not only compound your own knowledge, but you actually get to know 
you know, in detail the the people and and who works with who and get referrals and and so there's you know we really look to you know, it may sound silly but kind of make friends with these guys and and so you know we've we've been doing this for a while and yeah and 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 we found a couple of the right people and it's it's interesting because the UK so you know the way we looked at this this piece of research was you know we wanted, wanted to understand the history of the UK, wanted to understand the European opportunity and the UK opportunity. And, you know, one thing specifically that is, that come out of this piece is just how unique the UK is. And there are very different planning guidelines, industrial and retail land use consent requirements that, that retailers and companies broadly have to abide by. And, and, and there are some parallels with, with, you know, the first price club and even FedMart and, and the structure of the, the business model, you know, 40, 50 years ago, that actually Costco broke or price Costco and Costco broke away from because it was limiting their growth. And, and actually somehow Costco has found itself in a similar situation as it, uh, as the original price club was 50 years ago. And it, one thing that it does is so what we do is we go through the history of the UK, um, how it's different to the U S how the planning is different, how the, how the consent on, on and usage of different or different, you know, industrial versus retail land is, is is how it compares with different markets. But what it does, it also shows you how unique Costco actually is. Because Costco is, Costco and, and, and Price Club and, and all these businesses, they started as wholesalers, right? So they are selling to retail stores and business owners. And that didn't work, <laughs> to put it bluntly. That actually didn't work. It only worked when they opened it up. So if you go and read the old stories of, of, of Price Club, when they dropped the qualification, i.e. you can only be a member if you are a government employee, NHS, or, you know, whatever, military, etc. That's when it actually worked. So Costco is this weird, unique model where it bridges wholesale and retail. It offers wholesale priced uh, merchandise to everyone on re- on retail property and on the industrial property in in, in, in some markets but it, it's not a it's you know it's not a whole it's not a wholesale anymore even though it is called Costco wholesale so I, I think it's um and so understanding part of this what, what, what I learned or I think what, what part of the insights come out of this this, this piece of research is actually the intricacies of of the specific market requirements around planning guidelines consent you know how you can sell food and non-food size of the box required in certain markets government structure how the governments are how the government uses sales tax how is that different in the uk versus the us versus taiwan and korea you know and and where does vat go in the uk how does that impact the attractiveness of having a Costco, having a big box, you know, on retail or industrial land? So all, all these kind of intricacies roll up in, into defining 
the, the opportunity in the UK and, and, and Europe and, and do and do somewhat uh, explain why it's been difficult for Costco. And I think for the rest of the, um, the story, we might, might just invite people to um, have a look at the piece itself. Yeah. And we, we go through the, we go through the UK filings. And, and so we, 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 we break out Costco specifically. And one interesting, and just the final point there is that, that I found particularly interesting was that, we actually have the the, the UK filings of, of Costco UK strictly, so online, offline, fully, including gas. And so the way that Costco reports is they have US, Canada, and international. Within international, there is the 29 UK stores. So we can then see if we have, because we have the UK accounts, we can then break out the UK from international. So now we have, you know, we have, we, we present four different segments, US, Canada, inter- UK, and international excluding UK. And, and, and it's pretty interesting to see how, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can read it to, 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 see, to see what it shows, but actually, I'm not sure Costco would, would want to tell the world how profitable some of these businesses are in, 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 in Asia and, and elsewhere. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see if if these margins are true and stable, and the competitive position of Costco is is durable and in, in you know internationally excluding UK, then then maybe that's a that's a real tailwind for group margins over the next twenty years, and you know we we could see Costco having having slightly higher return on invested capital over time if they if these higher margins and higher higher sales per store is durable internationally outside the UK. Mm-hmm.